Welcome to the Church Doctors Podcast with Scott and Marla Sheely. The Church Doctors Podcast is brought to you by Outpouring International. Love God, love people. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott, and the way we love God and love people is uh, we include uh, different parts of the body of Christ in our in our ministry, and uh, one way we do that is to bring guests on the podcast. And today, I have a good friend of mine, Roy Bauer. Hello, Roy. Hello, Scott. And uh, I'm in uh, Kennewick, Washington. Do you live in Kennewick? I do. There's Tri-Cities here, so there's three, Kennewick, Pasco, and Richland all together. So we're in Kennewick and uh, at Roy's church this weekend, uh, and uh, he's the director of the Bible School at Sozo Church here. That's correct. And uh, we met at a, a men's retreat last September, and uh, after one of the meetings one night, we stayed up and and ate a bowl of cereal and talked way into the late of the night, and just a, a, a forever fellowship and friendship developed uh, between the two of us, and so I've been wanting to have him on the podcasts for quite a while, and I thought, well, since I'm in his hometown, we better get this done, so uh, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. So uh, I always ask everybody, what is the one thing you would say to the listeners that if it was the your, your life's message, what's, what's down inside of you that everybody needs to know? So ready, go. Okay. Well, thank you, Scott. Um, in, in many ways, this is a a life message for me, and it's it, in some ways it's simple, and in some ways it's become more than simple. It's it, at times it's been the answer to the needs of my life, and that is establishing a life of praise and worship. Yeah. And um, when I first got saved, my pastor, um, the first my first day in the church was his first day in the church. Wow. <laughs> and and um, I got saved that morning in Sunday school, and and so I, I realized I had come from a life without God. I was twenty nine. I went to him and I said, "Look, I I don't know anything. I couldn't find the maps in the Bible." And so after church, sometimes after Wednesday night Bible studies, he would invite me to come into the parsonage and sit down, and, and his wife would break out snacks, and we would sit there and talk, and I would just milk him for whatever I could get. And he started giving me some books on Thanksgiving, on praise, on worship, and I would go home and start devouring these things. And I started spending time thanking the Lord, praising Him. That was really a foundational element in my life, and it, it continued over the years as God began to reveal to me elements of praise and worship. And um, But I had several milestone experiences. I'll share one of them now. And it was years later I got married— we moved to Western Pennsylvania. Uh, my wife learned about uh, a summer session that was taking place with Christ the Nations Institute. They was, were establishing a a, a a campus on Stony Brook, uh, Long Island, and and there was a summer session. And she decided she wanted to go, so she went. She took my daughter Courtney and the only car, and and drove five hundred miles away and and started attending these classes. The plan was that I would come and join her for the last week, and then we'd we'd drive back together. So I I flew out the last the last week of her classes. She get got permission for me to attend the classes with her. So I went. I was thrilled. I had never been to a Bible school, 
session. I was I was thrilled to be there. During one of these sessions, they had a Christian musician come in and talk about what it was like to be a musician in the Christian realm in 1986. And he shared something that forever printed an image in my heart. He said that in his house, he had a room that was dedicated to Jesus, just Jesus, and it had two chairs in it. And and one morning, he was scheduled to go to a studio and cut a new album. And so he got up early, and he prepared himself for the day, and he got his things together. He, he was all set. He, he went to the front door, set his bags down, and he turned around and he looked in, into that room, and he saw the two chairs, and there was Jesus sitting in one of the chairs. And he realized that he had left his Lord that oh, morning, wow. missed him completely, and it, it affected him deeply. And as he shared that story, it created an imprint in my heart. I had this image of this view of looking into this room that was perhaps 20 feet away and then seeing the two chairs and Jesus sitting in one of those chairs. It just burned inside of me. So years later, as I continued in my Christian life, there were times that I was earnestly, consistently spending time praising God in the morning. I would get up in the morning before work, and I had to be at work early, but I would get up, set aside enough time to just be alone with Jesus, and I didn't ask for anything generally. I didn't read the Bible generally. It was it was just a time to be alone with Him and to thank Him and to praise Him and to worship Him in, with with in the ways that He had revealed to me. And um, I had been in a, a, a Royal Ranger group in our church. It's kind of like Boy Scouts, but Jesus is the head Royal Ranger. And uh, and we would have cap-outs with the young boys and do things that Boy Scouts did, but but Jesus was always at the center of it. And uh, they had scheduled a training on a Saturday morning, and we had to go to Yakima, which is about an hour and a half away from where I lived. And, and we had to be at the church at 6 o'clock to get on the bus, the church, the, the so church van. You have to leave at four thirty. I had to. I had to be up early, so I got up that morning. I, I had to iron my uniform. I had to pack a lunch. I had to gather my stuff together, and I did the same thing that that Christian musician did. I had managed to time it in such a way that I didn't spend time with Jesus, and I suddenly became aware that I hadn't taken time to be alone with Him. I only had a few moments left before I had to get in the car, and I went to the kitchen. And, and looked out the back window, and I put my hands on the counter, and I looked out the back window, and I said, Jesus, I know that I didn't take time to be alone with you this morning. And Scott, instantly, it was like a video came out of my spirit, and I was looking at a flat-screen TV in front of me. And the image I saw was the two chairs with Jesus sitting in one of the chairs. Wow. It went, zoop, appeared, and then it went, zoop, and disappeared. And I... It was as if I got kicked in the gut. I couldn't, I couldn't bear the pain. And it wasn't like I was being spanked. What I experienced was the pain that he experienced because I didn't take the time to be with him that morning. Yeah. I felt the, 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 the intensity of, of his love and longing for us and the hurt that he feels when we ignore him or, or just don't include him the way he's long, longing to be included. And... So I didn't have any choice at that moment. I had to grab my stuff, go out into the car, and, and get up to the church, which I did. And I got there. They opened the doors of the van. I, 
I threw my, my bag in the back. I laid down on a back seat. I clipped myself in, and I whimpered for the next hour and a half as we drove. Wow. To, and, and to be honest, that was 6 in the morning. It wasn't until noon that I started to feel like myself again. It just gradually dissipated. And I, I, during all the activities that we were doing in the, in the trainings, we were supposed to participate, and my heart just wasn't in it. I didn't even want to be there. I just felt this intense pain for the most of it and finally towards the end of it the pain lifted and i i was back to being myself again but it was a forever imprint much stronger than the visual image of seeing the the two chairs in a room it was this imprint of the intensity of the longing that jesus has to be with us and how it affects him when we yeah we don't and when him. when you spend that much quality time with the lord and in uh and and set a, a, a regular time apart. I think sometimes people have this image that God's just like this uh, a fast food company, and we can just stop in whenever we want. He's open, uh, and but there's no there's no relationship. It's just like hello, can I help you? And you just put in your order in prayer, and we drive off, and we don't even know who it was that put together our order. It's just we talk to him through this <coughs> microphone. That's interesting, and. And uh, I think that even when we have a time of prayer, it's still through a microphone. It's still, it's still through this box out your car window, and you don't know who's on the other side. It, because you, you have a list. You have a, an idea of what you want and what you need, and maybe a few <laughs> promises from the Bible to remind God of why he's obligated to, to answer your prayers. But the, but the, the thing that helped, me in the same way that you just said was when I discovered that uh, he, in John 17, Jesus prayed and he said, um, Lord, Father God, I pray that um, they know you the way I know you and that you'll know them. And so it's a two-way, it's like, wouldn't God know us already? He, he created us, but he wants to sit down and hear your heart and find out what makes you tick? Why, why are you frustrated? Why are you happy? What, what, what's your dreams? What's your goals? It, it tickles his heart and his emotions to find out what you think. And so he really does want to get to know us on that kind of level. It's not a put your quarter in the, the, uh, the big uh, you know, casino in the sky and hope that you get this answer back. That's just kind because, of funny. I mean, it, it is a relationship. I mean, we've it, that kind of word's been abused lately in church where it, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, it's a relationship. Well, what does that mean? And I think that story that you just said was like, wow, that's like the the deepest revelation of how much he loves to be with us. It's, it's, well, it changed my life forever, I can tell you that. The um, can I go yeah. on? Yeah, it's your okay. turn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, from that point on, the the pursuit of the praise and worship went to a whole different level, even to a different approach. And and over the years, God began revealing things to me about the Christian life along the lines of what you just said. And, and one of them was instrumental in, when I came across a course from Bill Johnson and it was on, on hosting the presence of the Spirit. And the, the key phrases that, that he was using at the beginning of the, of the videos and in the workbook was, 
everything flows from intimacy. Everything flows from intimacy. And recently I heard from another man, he said everything is, involves pursuit. And it's the pursuit of intimacy. And I've put those two thoughts together. It's the pursuit of intimacy that causes the Christian life to work, causes the relationship to flourish, brings us to a place of being fruitful, brings us to a place of, of being satisfied within ourselves because we're touching the heart of God. And, and so the life of praise and worship is, is a life of honor. It's, it's, it's way different than the life that we live in this country. Yeah. It's way different from life in this world. Life in this world many times is a matter of just doing things, uh, responsibility, uh, performance. But in fact, the Lord spoke to me years ago and he said, you tend to be about performance and I'm about relationship. And I thought, well, okay, but everybody in my life is looking for me to perform. Yeah. I go to work and they want to see the goods. I, uh, I'm expected to turn out the reports. Every, I mean, everything in life has a measurement. <laughs> yes, yeah. and I'm rewarding according to my rewarded according to the performance or not, depending. So this this shift in understanding has had to take place, and God has shown me, revealed in the Word and, and been revealed to me that He's longing for me to sit in His presence to pursue intimacy with him. And from that, the ministry flows, the provision flows, everything flows from the pursuit of intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, just the, the ministry of Jesus and how he would uh, always, the, the disciples knew if they couldn't find Jesus, they knew he was out alone somewhere praying. Like, they exactly. just assumed that. And, uh, and through that, his time of intimacy is where I believe that he learned to uh, hear his father's voice and to understand the motives of the Father God's heart. Like, what, what do you love and what do you hate? That's what we're supposed to go after in our lives. And uh, and then he said, uh, I only do what I what I see my father doing, and I only say what I hear my father saying. And... Uh, I don't know how it might sound funny to you, but I was trying to figure that out one day, and I was like, "Well, did he have a, did he have a video screen going on in his head where he actually saw Father God go over and heal the the leper?" And so, oh, I'm supposed to go heal the leper. I mean, it sounds really funny to say it out loud, but I was just really wanting to know how that worked, and I I had the this a similar experience where he was like, "Well, just sit with me." Okay. And when I started learning his heart, when I would look over and see somebody that was hurting, you knew what to then do. I knew that God didn't want him to hurt. I mean, and he had me there to be the uh, the tool that he wanted to use to help him. And, That's beautiful. And uh, and so out of out of that, I mean, it's it's beautiful for us personally to have that kind of connection with God and hear him. But then the he has a reason for it, like. Like if you don't know him like that, there's really it's impossible for you to carry out the call of God on your life. Exactly, because you have to you have to be able to instantly obey him, and you have to, you have to know what to what he wants done. How how do we do this? And so that all comes out of that sitting with him. I think I, I agree, and which explains a lot because a lot of people come to church, 
expect to hear something from the pastor that hopefully they're going to hear something that's going to help their lives and they go home, but they're not necessarily establishing a life of intimacy with God at home in their their private times that brings them to a place of of knowing the inner leadings uh, those those moments like you just described where all of a sudden you see someone that that is hurting and and you know you're supposed to be the one to go to them yeah but if they're not if if they're not establishing that that intimacy in in their private life the the public ministry is not going to happen because the god is not they haven't grown to a place where they can sense his leading and the and and and, and have this awareness yeah of of what a need is and having pastored churches before then uh <laughs> pastors assume that because you've gone through a whole series on hearing the voice of god and taught them what all that means and everything that you end up with a product of all the people that went through that whole series are just automatically going to be good at hearing the voice of God. <laughs> and and so we just keep pumping out information, information, information. And even though it's all the truth, even though it might be anointed and powerful, if the, if the people in the congregation aren't stewarding their own relationship with God, there's fruitlessness. It's... Uh, exactly. I mean, it sounds good. I agree with it in my head. I can teach somebody else just what he just said. And maybe they'll get blessed by it, but if I don't, if I don't know God, uh, I mean, even Jesus said Himself when He was dividing up the sheep and sheep and the goats, you know, He the, the one group of people said, you know, I'm I'm uh, paraphrasing, but they said to Jesus, why why don't we get to come in and enter into our rest, Jesus? We did all the stuff, we did all the Christian things, and He said, well, because I I don't know you. I understand. Yeah. I've I've looked at those passages painfully, right? At times, yeah, those hard ones. And and I've wondered why is it this way? Why? But as you were speaking, it, it I'm reminded, or it's something I'm aware of, and that is many of the people who stand in pulpits have been trained to preach, but have not been brought up in an, an environment of intimacy. Yeah. So they can only give of what they've ah. got. And and what they've gotten is do this, preach this, teach this, tell them this, encourage this, pray for them, hope for the best. And But the intimacy was not the foundation. So the people are operating in what they've been given, but they haven't been given the heart of God for the, the one-on-one time with them. So, Roy, would you consider that the same kind of area as uh, where Jesus said uh, there's a lot of teachers but not many followers? Not many, fa- not many, many fathers. Not many fathers. And, yeah. right, you know, and, and having gone into the jail, I, I used to minister in the, in the local jail, and, and, and I'm so mindful of a few things. One of them was something that my pastor, previous pastor, had said. He said, if you talk to the people in a jail or in a prison— most of the men there are fatherless. Most of the men there never had a dad. If there was a dad, he wasn't a, a proper dad. And many of them, he disappeared and wasn't around for them to grow yeah. up. And the thing is, a father, a, a real father, will take time with his children, will teach them the things of life, will teach them the things of God so that they're equipped to go into life. Yeah. But if, if, if he's not there, I find that some of these guys in jail don't have a clue of the basic things of life that are necessary for them to function. Yeah. 
And then when you add the, the, the Christian perspective to it, they didn't have any training in the ways of God. That's right. And so when you venture into trying to help somebody get into that heartfelt, uh, you know, base as deep as you can go relationship with God where you know him and he knows you, and you try to teach that to somebody that grew up in that fatherless generation, it's really hard for them to imagine them sitting and con- having a conversation with a God that, w- and the name that we have for him is Father, right? Okay. It messes with their brain. It's like, how he doesn't want to talk to me. He how, do you, ha- how do you cross that? He divide? doesn't have time for me. I'm not, he doesn't love me. I'm, a, I'm an orphan. You know. Well, you know, I'm reminded, you said that, I'm reminded of some teaching that we had years ago, and it was from Cesar Castellanos, who was the, the, the man who brought the G12 movement. Yeah. And Cesar said that one of the most important things for us to bring to our disciples is to, to help them to enter into a life of praise and worship, a life of prayer, and experiencing the presence of God. And one wow. of my experiences in the jail was with a, a man who was sitting just off to the left of of my of where I was standing while I was speaking and I was sharing about what Jesus experienced at the cross and in his in the, the crucifixion, the, the the nails in the hands, the the the, 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 the scourging on his back, the spear in his side, the, the, all the brutality that he experienced, the, the crown of thorns being smashed down onto his head. And and he looked up at me and he said I feel it. I feel it. Wow. It's real. Wow. And he gave his life to Christ that day. He's a friend of mine to this day, and that was many years yeah. ago. And But that that moment is with him, that moment with Jorge is so real to me because I saw, I experienced something that here's this man who grew up without Jesus. He was fatherless. His father was out of his life at an early age, and, and his relationship with his dad later on was painful. And, and he, so he had no real experience with God in his life. And in that moment, as I was sharing, the Spirit of God enabled him to sense, to feel the reality of what wow. Jesus experienced. And all of a sudden, his heart was opened, and he was willing to, to put his life in Jesus' hands. And I'm, I, it seems to me that so many times Christianity has been antiseptic. It's been too. Yeah. It's been too devoid of the heartfelt uh, f- presence of God, where someone experiences the love of God, and it, it's it's transforming. And because all of a sudden they're not just hearing somebody talk about somebody. They're not. It's not just a matter of somebody reading a newspaper to them. It's a matter of somebody bringing the reality of God to their lives with the presence of God, which enables revelation to take place in the heart. Yeah. And when you, when he said that, it, it made me think of uh, how, when, uh, now, now the thought's leaving me, but, but uh, being, oh, being in the presence of God. So how do you know you're there? Like how, I mean, how do you measure uh, that you're, that you know him. I mean, because he's he's awesome. He's he's like we're going to spend the rest of eternity finishing finding out who he is. Obviously, but how do you know you have a relationship with him? And one of the things that struck me was just a few scriptures in the Bible, like in the presence of God, there's fullness, fullness of, of joy. joy, right? And so I, 
when you talk about transformation and all these Christian words people throw around, transformation, relationship, he's your father, uh, he has a plan for your life. People say things, but none of that's really going to happen unless you're transformed. That's what was supposed to happen when, when, when salvation comes, when, when Jesus, when the, when the extended gift of Jesus reaches out and grips your life and you know that he died for you, then the rest of your days are transforming. You're supposed to be transforming into something, and what you transform into is in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. So if you're born again and you don't have a full joy, I mean, joy is not happiness. Rough, rough things happen to everybody. There's ups and downs in life, but through it all, the, the presence of the Lord never changes. You can still go into that room with Jesus and sit with him no matter how bad of a time you're having. And so uh, we can we can love others and still give away joy from our lives. And uh, and there's other things uh, in the presence of the Lord. Um, you can't be in the presence of Father God and not be thankful. Like, like well, that's where you started, was praise and worship, yes, yes. right? Yes. And so if you're... So measure yourself, like... Am I thankful? <laughs> Do I have true joy? And is my joy is it is it just contagious? It just bubbles up because because I have such a strong relationship with a loving God that just He's crazy about me and I'm crazy about Him. And we I, it doesn't take forever for me to get into the presence of God. I can just think about Him and He's like, oh, He's He wants to talk. He wants to talk, and He just shows up, right? And so measure your measure where you're at. I mean. Do you have that? And if you don't, he's. I think we need to pray for people that are. They're hungry right now. They're listening to this, going, "Oh my gosh." I think people generally are looking the chair. I want the chair. Yes, yes. (laughs) People are generally looking for the answers. Yeah. People are. uh, If I'm convinced that if people began to understand the way in, they would go in. Yeah. But but if it's if it's not offered to them if it's if we don't put it in their hip pocket, they don't necessarily have a frame of reference. Yeah. So in the the minutes that we have left, uh, why don't you go ahead and and what would you say or what or, or go ahead and pray for the for the ones that are hungry for more of that deeper relationship. Okay. What, what what would you finish with for them? I would finish with Psalm one hundred, verses one through four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise, bless his name, and be thankful to him. That's a pattern, a simple pattern, a biblical pattern of developing a life of intimacy with Say God. Say the, the chapter and verse again. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 4. Yeah. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Bless his name and be thankful to him. It's a picture of entering into the Old Testament uh uh, tabernacle, tabernacle yeah. in the wilderness. That there was an outer court, there was the 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 inner court, the holy place, and then there was the most holy place. And so we go into the outer court with thanksgiving. We go into the to the holy place with praise. And then when we get into the most holy place, it's in our worship, our blessing His name, worshiping the name of Jesus. Which can all take a matter of like three seconds because of the blood of Jesus and because of the cross. There's not like stopping point, like because the veil's gone, there's no 
There's no need to go to your pastor or to the priest to get permission to go into the presence of God. He's like, everybody come, but this is how you come. You still come the same way. The veil has been torn Even though there's not a a tent in the desert that we need to go to in in an Ark of of the Covenant sitting in a golden box. And so, but we still get to come. It's so, it's exciting to me. Well, I find that if I spend time at Thanksgiving, it doesn't take long to think about things to be thankful for. Say that quote that you told me about the priests. Oh, it's, Psalm, it's Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, and it says, God has made us kings and priests through the blood of Jesus. But then when you said that the and, and well, the chair was yeah, empty. you're bringing me back. There was a time I was ministering in the jail, and God spontaneously gave me a message and he brought me back to the two chairs of that musician's house, and he and he changed the, the message to right on that spot. And the title of the message he gave me was "There are too many unemployed priests." Yeah, that uh, was the line I wanted you to say. Okay. So, so we're at the end of the show, and man, there is this. There's a there's a a worm on the hook hanging out there. There's a carrot on the end of the stick for you. When if you if you don't hear the passion and the love and the relationship just oozing out of Roy, you need to listen to this again, and it just makes me hungry to go find a chair and set it out for Jesus. Like, but you can actually do that. It's not that the chair means anything. I mean, you can you can set up your own thing with him. I had a I had one chair set up that I came downstairs from the house that I was living in at the time, sat in the chair, the same chair at the same time every morning. And uh, at the beginning of the year, I would do that, what you said, uh, give thanks uh, and praise him. And I would go through these, the list of things because I really just wanted it. And then, but the longer I went, the shorter the list got to enter into his presence. Like the thanks, I carried the Thanksgiving with me down the stairs to my chair. I woke up and I was thankful, thankful. right? And I didn't wait till I got in this posture of prayer to be thankful. And I, and so that's lifestyle. Yes. And so that's what I'm talking about. This is not a prayer time. This is you you stay eternally thankful. You you stay always leaning toward do you want to talk to me now? Is do if I go over and touch this person, is this the one you want to heal? And it's this ongoing relationship all day long. It's not uh the chair and the and the things that we saw. This is a a, a private time between you and him, but then he never <laughs> you know in reality, he's in us. He goes with us where we're, where we go, and but he wants to uh, have access to us at any any moment. Like, hey, are you listening? I, you know, me and you, me and you, right now. And if you'll lean into that, life is it just explodes with excitement and fun. It's, that's beautiful. Yeah, and really, that's God's heart is that we move from just that morning time into a total life of intimacy with yeah. Him, and then it'll produce fruit for other people around you. Absolutely. And it leads to the spontaneous ministry that takes place through life, yeah. where you might be in a store and all of a sudden, ding, ding, ding in your heart, you know you're supposed to pray for the lady next to you. Or or, or stop along the road. There's that, Look, see that guy over yes, there? Yes, absolutely. Go talk to him. Yes. And, I, and I know you've done that because you've shared stories about that before uh, when, when I was talking with you before. But uh, So let's pray over the people. Okay. Go ahead, if you, if you like. Father, I thank you for this time with Scott. I thank you for the people who will hear. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to reveal the Father to us, to bring us into a life of intimacy. And I lift up all the hearers, and I ask, Lord, that 
you would open their hearts by the power of Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to them the golden path before them to come into your presence, to establish a life of intimacy, a life of thanksgiving, praise, and worship that brings glory to God. And I ask that, Lord, you you teach them how to praise you. You reveal to them the life of thanksgiving and praise and worship, that you reveal the intimacy of your heart to them so that they move closer and closer. Your word says in James that we draw near to God and you draw near to us, that they would pursue you and find you in those intimate moments and their lives would become thanksgiving, praise, and worship unto our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Roy, for being with us today. You're welcome. And thank you, everybody, for uh, stopping by and spending some time with the church church doctors today. We we just love uh, sitting across the table with you and uh, sharing our hearts with you and can't wait to have uh, testimonies come back from you. If this touched your heart, uh, send me a note through the uh, the website at the end of the show, and I'll make sure uh, Roy hears about it. It's just good to hear encouragement and to hear what God does through the show. So we love you. We'll see you next time on The Church Doctors. Thanks for joining us on The Church Doctors podcast. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website at outpouringintl.com.